0: Happy Easter! We're glad to have you join us together and thank you Joe and Melissa for leading us in worship here on this Easter Sunday morning that's of a different accord. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, freedom sounds like a really good word. What do you think? All of us being able to uh, bust out of our quarantine, being in houses for the COVID-19 stalemate, we just are anxious, I think. I've decided that there's a lot of anxiety that's rising and people are just needing to uh, try to figure out where's the end in sight for this kind of thing. But I tell you what, today for our Easter celebration, I'm glad that we're able to come and to worship our Lord Jesus Christ, who is indeed risen from the grave. And I know that uh, I may stand in an empty auditorium right now, but I am sure glad that the tomb is empty in fact if you were to go and try to find a tomb for jesus today you would not find one there is no marker or marquee anywhere that says here lies the body of jesus because jesus rose from the grave and that's why we're here in fact two thousand years ago is when it happened there would not be a christian church there would be no sense of gathering on a sunday like this to celebrate a resurrection if indeed the resurrection did not happen and maybe you're a seeker this morning of God, and you've just sort of dialed into an Easter service to try to get a semblance of maybe some freedom or some joy in your life amidst all that's going on in our world. And uh, you're not quite sure if the grave was empty uh, yourself. But I want you to know that there's ways to find out. You can research, talk to me, you can uh, interact with a lot of different kinds of things, because the reality was Jesus died on a cross, he was placed in a tomb, And the next uh, Sunday morning, there was no body in that grave. And it's not that uh, Jesus wasn't dead. The Romans knew how to kill people. And so he was dead when he was placed in the tomb. It wasn't that uh, the disciples came and stole him out of the tomb. They were bunkered away in fear of other people. And uh, they were not expecting Jesus to be raised from the dead. And so there's all kinds of different theories about why maybe uh, there was this idea that Jesus rose from the grave. Well, friends, it wouldn't have lasted 2,000 years if indeed Christ hadn't been raised from the dead. I don't know if you ever watch any type of... uh, Uh, shows on TV that relate to a crime or somebody committed something, he did it with somebody else. I tell you what, it all starts to fall apart when it's not true what one person says to another because they sort of turn on themselves. Disciples didn't turn on themselves. The 500 people and more that saw Jesus raised from the dead after uh, Easter they didn't turn on themselves because the witness was that there was no body. There was an empty tomb. Christ is risen from the dead. And because of that, because death was arrested, we can find freedom in our life today. So I want to really encourage you to sort of dial into the scripture and what I want to share today, but I'd like to lead us off in prayer. Lord Jesus, today we know that We are able to talk to you because you not only rose from the dead, you ascended to the heavens, you sent your spirit back down to dwell within us who are followers, and we can have a direct phone line of connection because you are with us. And so, Lord, I pray right now as we're gathered around TVs or a smart device, something in our homes, maybe somewhere else, that maybe we're watching with other people, that we would attune ourselves to your spirit's voice speaking to us in this time. For Lord, we want to celebrate the good news of Resurrection Sunday. And we want to celebrate it with our personal lives, being not only attuned in our hearing, but our hearts yielded to your calling in our life. So across This valley, the Southern California area, wherever people are watching this, around the nation, even around the world, I pray, Jesus, that we would attune our hearts to you and we would yield our lives in a direction that would be life changing here in this historic 2020 Easter Sunday. Amen and amen. Well, thanks. I want to uh, just have us give a little bit of note to the day that we are in. I don't know about you, but. I never predicted that we would have an Easter Sunday morning where I would be in an empty room. I often tell my staff that you only get so many Easter Sundays a year. And we need to um, focus in on them and plan for them. It was a couple, three months ago that I started doing that with our staff. Let's, let's plan on how, how we're going to really use Easter to uh, reach people for Christ would have never thought it would have been through this means. This is a historic Easter Sunday. But God knew this would come about. And God has his plans and purposes. In fact, on this historic Easter Sunday 2020, I want to ask you this question. What might God be saying to us this Easter during the COVID-19 crisis? You've been asking yourself that? we've looked at it recently, a couple weeks ago in particular, but there's five things that uh, I jotted down this week that I really felt, you know, God could be saying this. He could be saying this to us uh, this Easter. And the first is this. He would say, awaken to the imminent second coming of Jesus Christ. Now you're going like, whoa, Carrie, you're jumping pretty fast to something there. What do you mean? Well, I don't know about you, but when you see empty streets, you see drones flying over these large cities, and they're barren, and you see all the rules and regimentation, people walking around with masks, you're, there's something sort of apocalyptic about it all. It's like, are, are we sort of in the end times? Is, is there going to be some other kind of change? In fact, when uh, there was a, a fairly decent sized little earthquake here in uh, our valley this last week, it was like, oh my gosh, now the earthquake kind of thing's coming, right? But this is not jumping to some hyper conclusion on this day, referencing the second coming of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus did that the very week of his death. He referenced it and talked about it with his disciples. In John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. That is referencing the Son of God in the beginning of time has always existed. He was God. He was the Word. The Logos, he came into the world, he made the world. And so we have this grand epic that we're talking about here on this Easter Sunday that I want to uh, afreshly communicate to you that God's up to something and he's doing something. God saw the fallenness of sinful man and he sent Jesus Christ into this world to deal with the sin factor. And he dealt with the sin factor by having Jesus be obedient to death on a cross. When God came through Jesus Christ the first time, that was not the time where he was going to radically change everything in the world. He was going to provide something so that people's hearts could be changed through the obedience to following Jesus Christ and the work that Christ did for the forgiveness of our sins to set us free on the cross and through the power of his resurrection. But Jesus was very mindful, as he's with his disciples, that there was going to be a second coming of his. In fact, the disciples themselves were inquisitive and were asking about it a lot. If you were to take these three passages in the Synoptic Gospels, you would find similar wording as Jesus, his dialogue with them is explained. Last week we looked at Jesus coming into Jerusalem. Palm Sunday, they were declaring the hosannas. This is the, the Messiah they had hoped. But things began to change in turn. One of the things, Jesus walked straight into the temple, and he got pretty upset with what he was seeing happen in the church building, if you will. He saw people that were cheating others by selling uh, different kinds of uh, animals and birds for for sacrifices and ripping people off and it was chaos it was all about marketing and he got quite frustrated and started to turn over the tables and he said my house is to be a house of prayer and so here's this would-be messiah in people's minds we think that he's the messiah he raised lazarus from the dead right and so here he is and all these other miracles he's doing all of a sudden things changed because he was not Exactly the Messiah they thought, because they thought he would do away with all the external oppression from governments like Rome and all the other kinds of uh, difficulties in life. But Jesus didn't come the first time for that he will come a second time and establish a physical earthly reign. And he looked to that with his disciples shortly after Palm Sunday, as he was dialoguing, talking with them in the temple. Let me read you a little bit of the scripture out of Matthew 24. Jesus left the temple and was walking away with his disciples. And they came to him to call his attention to the buildings. Do you see all these? Jesus asked. Truly, I tell you, Not one stone will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. You will see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of birth pains. Now again, he's sharing this with the disciples a couple days right before the crucifixion. And he's pointing out that this temple that you see is so grand and you're all in awe of. It's not going to be standing. Tough days are coming. And he starts to articulate this. Then you will be be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Now in the Luke version of this, it also includes pestilence, this whole list of things that would be happening. And so in this apocalyptic moment, we're thinking, wow, could this be the end times? Well, I don't fully think it's the end times because of what's recorded in scripture. But Jesus could come back at any moment. But what this COVID-19 crisis does for us, where it radically changes everything, causes us to pause for what things could be like as we head to the end times. And that things could radically change within just a few weeks. All of us are giving witness to it. You know, it was interesting. Different things are being posted on uh, uh, all kinds of social media, right? This last week, I came across a post from somebody that a few of you might know. His name is Terry Hogan. Do you know who Terry Hogan is? Well, if you're a wrestling person, you know who Hulk Hogan is. And though Hulk Hogan had a bit of a, a checkered past in his life, recently he's, he's had a turn towards Jesus Christ, and he posted something this week, Hulk Hogan did, that got over 100,000 and more uh, likes and references. He says this, Again, recently having turned his life in a direction towards Jesus Christ. In three short months, just like he did with the plagues of Egypt, God has taken away everything we worship. God said, you want to worship athletes? I will shut down the stadiums. You want to worship musicians? I will shut down civic centers. You want to worship actors? I will shut down theaters. You want to worship money? I will shut down the economy and collapse the stock market. You want to go to church and worship me? I will make it where you can't go to church. Maybe we don't need a vaccine, he said. Maybe we need to take this time of isolation from the distractions of the world and have a personal revival where we focus on the only thing in the world that really matters, Jesus. So this morning on this Easter 2020, I'm not quite sure. Where you're at spiritually, if you've uh, been a follower of Jesus for a long time or just sort of trying to get your arms around what's going on in our world and where is God, is God at in this. Maybe there's something that you've found lacking in your own heart, in your own life. Maybe there's just a bit too much chaos going on around you and so you're picking up a spiritual interest. I want you to know that when all said and done, the only thing that will ultimately matter in this world is jesus christ scripture says that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father and it's not a message that's uh, one to come to bring you bad news or to berate you it's a good news kind of message and that's the hope that we carried death has a sting to it many have died of this coronavirus But friends, Jesus Christ rose from the dead and death no longer has sting because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ was preparing to die on a cross for our sins on that Friday, knowing that he would be raised from the dead as he foretold, he also knew and projected a time in the future when he would come again and he would make all the earthly brokenness right including doing away with disease and cancer and death itself. So I want to bring you hope today. I want you to bring you the good news of freedom that can be found in Christ. But we need to see ourselves awoken in our spirit. We need to wake up. And I believe this season, this unique historical Easter, is awakening us to a few things. And the first, I thought, it's going to awaken us to the imminent second coming of jesus christ and it calls us forward we long to see that happen the second thought i had though related to the COVID crisis and uh, this historical easter is this we need to awaken to a greater means and urgency for the good news for the first uh, few days when we started to see the reality what this was going to change with public gatherings I was scratching my head and going, Lord, what are you doing in all this? But I want you to know some unique things have happened behind the scenes for us as a church, but I think even broader for the church at large in these weeks. And that is, we've realized that the church is not a building, that the church is not even a gathering of people, even though the word church means the called out ones, the assembly of God. But what is happening is that we are looking at different ways that we can administer and take the good news of Jesus Christ and the hope that he brings to change lives to all the world. And there are greater means that we're looking at. What you're looking through right now and the setting that we have here is a direct result of us trying to think outside the box. How do we create this when we gather for Zoom calls as life groups and, and we're able to have other people dial in? There's a broader ministry that started to happen with even our own local church in just the last few weeks. And so that concern has turned a bit of a smile on my face and many of our staff because we're thinking, wow, isn't this cool how God's working? And so God says to us during this time, there are greater means that are given to you. I think I mentioned to you that the Apostle Paul, he was thrown in prison. And uh, he was uh, very much the uh, missionary out on the trail, sharing the good news to all kinds of nations at that time. But God allowed him to be placed in jail. So what did he do in jail? He pivoted. He got the parchments. He got his ink. He got the messenger. And he wrote, one third of the New Testament is written by the Apostle Paul. And he sent out letters because he pivoted during a time of crisis when he had to go into isolation and could it be that that's one of the ways God's working through all this for us to pivot for us to think of a greater means of being able to get the gospel message out and it's not just through electronic and virtual means you know yesterday I think it was at our door that uh, I I walked out or saw that there was some toilet paper left and some Clorox uh, cleaning wipes a friend from the church Saw some extras as they were shopping, decided to drop them off at our door. I go, well, how kind is that? And many of you have been sharing with one another and we're thinking through ways. Well, how can we be the good news as well as share the good news with people around us? Maybe your neighbors, a lot more people are out walking around and we can share the good news. And uh, we can do it in a tangible, tactical kind of way. So God's saying to us, hey, awaken to the imminent second coming of Christ Christ. It's going to happen. It can change on a dime. Environments can change. There can be needs. He's also saying awaken to greater means and the urgency to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And the third thing is this. Awaken to the human condition found in all the world. The human condition found in all the world. I want to encourage us that we um, awaken ourselves to all that's happening in our world, but realize that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and that we are in a place where we need to attune our hearts to Him. Fourth, awaken to the uncertain brevity of our own mortality. We've done that. Life's short. People can die. You can pick up a virus. There's an awakening that happens in our heart with that. And then the fifth, Uh, before we go to the fifth, I want to share this couple quotes from C.T. Studd. This young man at the age of 25 uh, devoted his life to follow Christ and to serve him. He was a part of the Cambridge Seven that uh, went to be with Hudson Taylor in the China Inland Mission. He says this, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. He was a missionary not only in China, but in India and Africa all the way to his later dying years. And C.T. Studd is one of those individuals who understood there's a need to awaken to our brevity and own our own mortality, but to be able to come back and deal with the human condition that's around our world to take the good news of Christ to them. Do you know when the end will come? It says this in Matthew twenty four fourteen, the next verse after what I just read, Jesus said in this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. There's a sense of urgency that comes this Easter season with all that's going on, knowing that we have the good news, the resurrection of Christ, the changing, transforming power of Christ, that we need to realize the human condition is the same across the world. Everybody's in need, looking for hope. How does change come? What happens when such a detrimental thing like a a, a, a virus hits across the world? And then we need to own our own mortality and be about the business of doing what, which is the fifth thing, is we need to awaken to the love and the salvation of Christ. This C.T. Studd, young man, this quote I know a lot, but I remember even another quote of his that's even stronger, and it's this. Some want to live within the sound of a church or a chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. Now, friends, that's a passionate young person giving his whole life. He was a great cricket player. He chose to go the path of sharing the gospel with people around the world. And so I trust that you today as a Christian believer will not Hold back and be in discouragement, but realize the hour that we have. Because the fifth thing that we do need to awaken to, God says, is awaken awaken to the ever-present love and salvation found in Christ. I want to turn to Luke 24. In Luke 24, we find the resurrection story. Jesus was obedient to death on a cross as we celebrated and remembered On Good Friday, he was placed in a tomb. And then it says this in Matthew 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. The first day of the week, the reason we worship the first day of the week now, rather than Sabbath, which is the seventh day of the week, is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You got up this morning. Can you imagine them getting up that morning going, Our Messiah, we thought, was going to change the world, change our lives, is dead. And the ladies, Mary Magdalene and Mary, Mother James, they went to the tomb. And when they got to the tomb, they saw something they didn't expect. They found the stone rolled away. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but they did not enter. They did not find the body, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were there, they were wondering about this. They were wondering about this. Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. I love the statement. So many times we're looking for life, but we're looking for life where there's death. And here's the angel, this man in white, that declares, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is alive. I've heard it often said that Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live and it's through the power of his resurrection that we can have new life that's found in him then he said this remember how he told you who Jesus how he told you he was still with while he was still with you in Galilee the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners be crucified and on the third day be raised again and he said, wake up. Remember what he said? He, he said that he, he's going to have to be delivered. And that's the crisis of Passion Week. That he would be crucified on Friday. But then that he would be raised again on the third day. Remember? We were doing some... Um running some ethernet wire through our house this week. And we're trying to figure out where we could run it back behind the walls and the studs. And I remember three years ago when I uh, took pictures of the studs in our house as it was being built before they put the drywall up, so that someday when I ran wires, I could remember where they were at. And we started to run the wires, and I couldn't figure it out. I said, I thought it was here, here, there. And I finally found the pictures. And sure enough, there was a clear chase where we could drop a wire that we didn't think that we could drop a wire. And then it all started to come back to me. Oh, yeah, I remember I took that and I made this move, I did that. A lot of times we have to awaken our memory. And here the angel was saying to them, remember, remember what he said. And so they had to start awakening their memory because you go back in the scriptures and Jesus was pretty clear and plain about what would happen through his crucifixion and then that he would be raised from the dead. And so he exhorted them to remember it. Maybe it's an exhortation to you and to me this morning, remember Remember what God said to you at some time in your life or how he awakened you. Remember what God has done for you. Remember this Easter Sunday, that death does not have a sting because Jesus Christ rose from the grave. Remember that, yes, things are broken now, but Jesus is coming again. Remember that you have a mortal body and it will age and you outwardly, though you're wasting away, yet inwardly you can be renewed day by day. Remember these things. Draw near to the Lord. Draw near to his ever-present love. And his salvation. Then they remembered his words. Oh, yes. I do remember them. And so the disciples afterwards would recall it all as well. Verse 9. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. If somebody came to you and told you that a loved one who had died three days ago was now raised from the dead, you would think it was nonsense too. They weren't expecting it. Peter, however, got up and he ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the stripes of linen lying there by themselves and he went, in away, went away wondering to himself what had happened. And Joe earlier referenced this aspect of Peter entering the tomb and seeing things that are there. Friends, each of us, I believe, have to enter the empty tomb to contemplate what the Lord Jesus Christ is doing and make a decision to receive him into ourselves. Have you done that this day? What are you being awakened to? What is it that's going on in our world that you need to draw near to God and and understand? Maybe it's not even something from the coronavirus. Maybe it's a difficult marriage. Maybe there's challenges with your children. Maybe something's happened on the job front. Maybe you've lost your job in the middle of all this. And it shakes us up. It brings dissonance to our life. All of this is bringing dissonance to our life. There's a Dissonance, it's here, but then after dissonance comes reorientation, and that's what happens when we hit a wilderness experience. That which we were oriented to is shaken up, but don't fear while things are being shaken up because God's reorienting us. I believe he's reorienting our world. I believe he's reorienting the church, and I believe he can reorient your life and my life here this morning for us to be closer followers of him, and for us to be greater stewards of the day we've been given to share his good news with a lost world and those we love around us. I want to bring to you two words as we close, two very simple words. These words, straight from Scripture, very important on this Easter day. Believe and receive. Believe and receive. John 11 says this, Jesus said to her, you know who that was? This was right before Passion Week when Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead and he was speaking to Mary and Martha concerning their brother who had died and that he would raise him from the dead. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who, what? Believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this what do you believe about jesus christ do you believe he was god's son do you believe he was born of the virgin mary that he would came into this world from the universe in which he created in order to bring salvation do you believe that he lived a perfect life and that he was the sacrificial lamb that died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins so that atonement the rightful punishment and penalty could be paid through what he provided of his own life he took our place do you believe that If you don't, that's okay. But I encourage you to check it out and pursue and to know Christ. Because here's Jesus as he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And this isn't just about eternal life. This is about a full and complete life in this day and age, living it with him. Jesus said in another place, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's Satan. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Believe. Believe is critical. It's not just a cognitive belief, but it's a wholehearted belief. And you may not have full belief in all different aspects, but I encourage you to pursue it and walk by faith as you believe that which you know to be true. In Romans 10 9, it says this If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Believe. If you believe, then Jesus invites you to confess Him, to confess Him as Lord, to believe in your heart that He's justified you before God the Father. What He did on the cross and shedding His blood, He gives you that provision of perfect wholeness when he comes into your life, believe and confess. You confess what you believe and you'll be saved. Back in John 1, 12, after the words I shared earlier about the word became flesh and dwelt among us, that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. It says that he came to his own and his own did not receive him. But yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right To become the children of God. I want to invite you to do something this morning. I want you to believe and I want you to receive. What's the opposite of receive? To reject. I want you to receive him. I want you to take your faith that you believe in and place your trust and receive Christ into your life. Let him come into your life. Two simple questions. Do you believe in Jesus? And Have you received Christ into your life today? It really isn't enough to believe, unless it's a believe into, as it relates to what the Scripture really teaches and the depth and the breadth of that word. But believing into is an actual receiving of Christ for him to come into your life. You know, it's interesting. As I look at this, Unique Sunday, It was actually through a television screen that I first made a commitment to Jesus Christ. That I first remember as a young child, that point in time when I believed and I received. You know, it was somewhere around eight, nine years old. My parents would have us come together as a family, me and my four siblings, and, and we would watch Billy Graham on TV. It was interesting with Billy Graham on TV, if you know anything about Billy Graham, he, he came to know Jesus Christ in a big revival meeting by Mordecai Ham. And the, the song that was at the end of Billy Graham's uh, moment of conversion when he went forward and committed his life to Christ was the song, Just As I Am. And so he chose to use that song every time he closed his big evangelistic campaigns. And we were watching this when I was a young child, and it got to the end. And the song, they started to play it in this great stadium. And people became uh, broken and moved down to their seats. And here was the song that was played. And I share the lyrics with you. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. And that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am, and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot, to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am, though tossed about, with many a conflict, many a doubt, fightings within and fears without, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am, thou wilt receive, wilt welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve. Because thy promise I have believed, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am, thy love unknown, hath broken every barrier down. Now to him be thine, yea, thine alone, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. This past fall, me and my four siblings, we lost our mom. She passed away to be with Jesus. She played the piano for the church. This is her hymn book that I just read out of. She was a faithful follower of Jesus and knew the present love of Jesus. A few days before we passed, we were in the hospital room, and some of the heavy news came that she may not live. And she teared up, and she said, I wanted to see more weddings. I wanted to see more babies born But if this is God's plan for me, then I get to go see my Jesus. Our mother walked closely with the Lord, and that's what Jesus wants to do with you. But you cannot walk with Jesus. You cannot know salvation. You cannot live in His ever-present love in the midst of all this that's going on in our day and age unless you believe and you receive. I went upstairs after watching that him sung as a little boy. And I remember laying on my bed and I cried out to Jesus. I was fearful that Jesus would come again and I wouldn't be able to go and I'd be left behind. Some of you are familiar with all that kind of fear. And I invited Jesus to come into my life. I believe you, Jesus. I now receive you to come into my life. And so I began at a young age to be able to walk with Jesus. I remember around the age of 15, I was in a large gathering in Dallas, Texas for a conference on the Institute of Basic Youth Conflicts. And I was at the back room and I remember uh, the appeal being given to really surrender everything. Some of those comments like what C.T. Studd said, you know, I I, want to give my one life that I've got for Christ. I said, Lord, I want everything in my life. And so I remember surrendering a couple big areas to him during that time about my future. one of the things I struggled with maybe you struggle with it is the assurance of my salvation as a teenager even though I had had that early commitment and then a fuller commitment to Christ I struggled and one of the reasons because I never made a public declaration of my faith have you ever made a public declaration that you believe and that you receive maybe it's somebody you could share with today in fact I want to encourage you that if you want to believe in Christ and receive him, we're going to pray here in a second, that you would take an opportunity and just email me. I would like to know if you are going to choose this day to believe in Christ and receive him. I struggled with that because I never made a public declaration, but it was at a concert uh, that David Wilkerson was speaking at and Dallas Home was singing at in Alexandria, Indiana. I went with some friends from a local Alliance church and I remember at the end, Dallas Holm, he gave an invitation song and, and, and God struck my heart with it. It just simply said, come unto Jesus, give him your life today. Come unto Jesus and let him have his way. Oh, I know there are things in your life you think he can't forgive, but he'll forgive and forget my friend and show you how to live. Come unto Jesus, give him your life today. Come unto Jesus and let him have his way. And then he just simply gives the appeal in it. Don't you wait, my friend. You can't afford to wait. This is the day for you. Soon it could be too late. Come unto Jesus, give him your life today. Come unto Jesus and let him have his way. I want to give a direct appeal to you if you've never committed your life to Christ, if you've never consciously believed and received him, we're going to pray. And in this moment, you too can receive Jesus Christ. And the power of Christ comes into your life to not only forgive you of your sins, not only to write your name down in the register for heaven and eternity, but comes to give you life and hope and peace and yes, freedom in the midst of this quarantine day. Do you have that freedom? They could lift all restrictions. Everybody could go back to work. But some people don't have freedom because they don't have freedom within themselves. They're bound up. They're bound up with sin. They're bound up with other concerns. They're distracted with the temporal things of life. Friends, I want you to experience freedom. I want you to know Jesus Christ today. I want you to believe and to receive. You come just as you are, just as I am without one plea. You can't clean up your life. You come just as you are, but you come to Jesus. This is the day, my friend, for you to pray with me, to receive Christ and choose to live from this day forward to the one who is resurrected, who ascended to the heavens and the one who is coming again to make all brokenness right and to wipe every tear from our eye. My mom, this is our first Easter without her. But as she says, I get to be with my Jesus. And I too look forward to the day when we will be gathered together, all of us, with our loved ones and our family. And those people from every language, tribe, and nation around the world through all generations who have been faithful and committed, devoted followers of Jesus, we get to celebrate face-to-face face with the Lamb who was slain, who had risen again and rules and reigns. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, in this moment, with heads bowed and eyes closed, in living rooms, bedrooms, other kinds of places, porches, wherever people may be this moment, on this historic Easter 2020, when we've been awoken to so many different things, may we be awoken to our brevity of life and our need for you. And Lord, may we be awake to the reality that you love us and that you want to save us. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, wherever you may be, as surely as I was when I watched that Billy Graham crusade, as surely as I was when I made a a choice to make a public declaration of my faith, I pray, Jesus, that individuals would turn their hearts to you and simply share these words with you. Dear Lord Jesus, on this Easter Sunday, 2020, I believe in you and I receive you into my life. I repent of my sin and turn from the trajectory I've been on, whether it's been one of indifference or deep gross sin. I repent of my sin and I now turn to you I believe you are the Son of God, God Himself who came into this world. Now come into my life. I receive you. And from this day forward, as you enable, I will choose to live for you. Thank you, Jesus, for your salvation. Amen and amen. Well, praise God if you made that decision here this morning. I want to encourage you to write it down somewhere. Maybe tell someone. After I went forward at that Dallas home concert, I remember they gave me a discipleship book. I wrote it down and I wrote the date and signed my name. And I put that discipleship book by my bed in a drawer. And anytime Satan wanted to come and sort of discourage me that I wasn't a Christian or maybe if Christ would come back that I wouldn't be with him, I would pull it out. And I said, no, right there. I know that I know that I know. That I made a commitment to believe and receive Jesus Christ on this day. I was then later baptized, and that sealed it, and that's something you consider doing to follow the Lord in a public declaration of your faith. But if you believed and received Jesus Christ this morning, I want to encourage you just to send me an email. I want to follow up and acknowledge that. Just write an email to pray at theawakening.church. Pray at theawakening.church. That's not dot com, it's dot church. You send an email to me there. I'll be glad to correspond with you, get you some help and encouragement, how you can grow and you can become a long-term follower of Jesus Christ and experience the fullness of joy that he wants to give you in this day and age. So with that, I'm going to encourage you to spend great time with family, whoever's in your house. There's a couple things I'll just highlight. If you didn't get a chance to watch today the Kids Church program, I want you to do that. It's on their Facebook page or it's on our YouTube channel page. And uh, Beth and Devin are doing a great job. Kids, maybe you already watched church service for Easter this morning. Adults, it's great for all of us to watch and tune in. It's really well done. I also wanna encourage us that uh, we uh, would like to know who you are. If uh, you are new online today and we saw early on, there were a lot of people online watching Send an email to connect at theawakening.church. Give us your contact information, any interest you have, or maybe prayer concerns, and we'd love to follow up and connect with you. One of the ways that we're connecting during this time as a church remotely is by having some Zoom calls, or life groups. And if you'd like to be in a life group, you can let us know about that. But these are groups that uh, normally meet together in homes, but we're meeting by Zoom software. And uh, we are also doing a midweek devotional on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. I'll follow up a little bit with what I shared today, but get uh, on Facebook, on our Facebook site, Wednesday at 1 p.m. It'll give you directions there, and you can get on Zoom, and we can interact from there. So I encourage you to do that, and then also in conclusion, for today's offerings and tithes, if you have them, if you feel so led, we'd love for you to continue your worship by giving to the Lord, and you can just use our Simple Giving app by texting the word AWAKENING to the number 77977. That's awakening to 77977. That little response will help you go to an app there and you can easily give uh, to the Lord and a worship offering to him on this Easter Sunday. Thank you so much for joining us at The Awakening, God's blessings on your day. He is risen. He is risen indeed. We have powerful hope and especially for those who committed their life to Jesus Christ today. Yea, God, and praise his holy name. Your life is going to be changing from this day forward because of what he's done in this hour. God bless. Amen and amen.